Welcome to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman from Waco, Texas. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith from New York City. Each week we get together to talk about the readings for the upcoming Sunday. We hope to help both the sermon prepping pastor as well as everybody, since we all need to find that thread of grace, the gospel, throughout the scriptures. So dust off your Bible. Let's jump in. Everybody, welcome back to Advent 2 and another week of the Same Old Song podcast, which is the lectionary preaching podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm Casey Kasem, and I'll be, oh, wait a second. I'm Aaron Zimmerman, director of St. Albans Episcopal Church in Waco, Texas. And joining me is our co host, Jacob Smith, rector, monsignor, and archdeacon of Calvary St. George's Church in New York City. Jake, how you doing? I'm doing great, and it's uh, great to be back with you as we uh, kind of walk through uh, Advent 2, um, also known as uh, John the Baptist Sunday by some. And so uh, we begin to get an introduction into uh, the, the, the man, the myth, the legend. Well, no, just the man and the legend, uh, John the Baptist. We'll be talking about a little bit more about that in a moment. But uh, there's this great hymn, and a lot of people usually sing this on this day. And uh, it's one of my favorite Advent hymns. It's called On the Jordan's Bank, the Baptist Cry. And the first verse goes like this. On Jordan's Bank, the Baptist Cry announces that the Lord is nigh. Awake and hearken, for he brings glad tidings of the King of Kings. And, you know, uh, glad tidings, I'm not quite sure if that is necessarily the prophetic message that we see, uh, maybe in St. Paul. But why don't we talk about that and jump right into it by jumping into Malachi? And I will say, Jake, if there's any preachers listening to this, that this is a Saturday night listen and you're preaching tomorrow morning and you're like, wow, that's a great hymn. Uh, don't change it tomorrow morning or your music director will hate you forever. Uh, hopefully you're listening to this a few weeks before Advent and you can prepare and uh, put that in there. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about this. So we begin with Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament. Um, Who? I always thought it was the prophet Malachi. Yeah, also so the Italian uh, prophet with a, uh, an Eastern European dessert, the Kalachi, uh, <laughs> often mistaken uh, between those two. Uh, it was Malachi and Mario almost made it, Wario as well, but those uh, yeah. those deuterocanonical books never quite got in there. It's going to be a good one already, Jake. I can feel it. I can feel it. Yeah, I can too. I'm excited. Um, uh, I'm actually going to have some Karachi after this. But anyway, um, <laughs> is that what it's called? But anyway. Kimchi? Yeah. <laughs> Karachi is Malachi Pakistan or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, Malachi. Uh, so um, this is a hundred years after the return of the exiles to Jerusalem. And there he is. And everybody uh, basically thinks that they're okay. And uh, the problems of the world are not caused by me, but the problems of the world are caused by people over there. And uh, we're basically doing fine. And uh, what's the matter with everybody else? Why can't they get it together? And uh, this is where Malachi begins to step in with his uh, prophetic message. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the thing here, uh, Advent, as we said last week, means coming. Adventus in Latin, Jesus is coming as we get ready for Christmas. But Jesus is coming back. For, we look at the second coming. And so we've got both these going on. And so this in verse two has, who can endure the day of his coming, the, the Lord's coming. So you have this, and you know, we tend to think of Jesus arriving 
Mary's little boy child, as Harry Belafonte sang, and we think he's going to be just this sweet little guy. But all these passages are kind of scary. Like, who can endure the day of his coming? And then he gets into this thing about refiner's fire and fuller's soap. Now, here we have to do a little explanation for that, because refiner's fire, uh, probably not too many people. Uh, maybe you have some craft artisanal jewelry makers in your congregation. But other than that, not too many of us are smelting or taking ore and turning it into refined stuff. This is a hot fire that you burn and you burn away the bad stuff, you're left with the gold or the silver or whatever you want. I actually had a parishioner um, who had an old apartment in Soho, and he actually had a smelter in his apartment. It was completely illegal, but he was an artist, and he <laughs> had one of these things. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. But what's uh, very powerful about that is that, you know, if you've ever seen, like, the ravages of a forest fire, um, you yeah. know, like when I was in Southern California one time, and just after the San Diego fires, and you see one spot just completely ravaged. And then right next to it is a house that wasn't touched. And then right on the other side, all the other houses have been destroyed. You know, it's uh, just a total mess and it's uh, indiscriminate in what it does. And But this isn't what Malachi is talking about when he says a refiner's fire. And if you've ever seen a smelter or artist work with fire, it's something to behold because it's doing something very, very specific. It's not random, and, and this, is, this is how God works in our lives when, when we talk about fire and things like that. This isn't, this isn't just random. This is very specific to do a work in your life. If you grew up in, in the right kind of churches like Jake and I did, we sang Refiner's Fire, uh, and uh, so we know a little bit about that, but we never sang the song Fuller's Soap, which mm. may be confusing. So the fuller is the guy that beats on or treads on the cloth because when you were when you were weaving cloth it, it'd be sort of a kind of a dingy uh, brownish grayish color and you wanted to bleach it white and so you'd you'd soak it in these chemicals these uh, very intense chemicals to, to whiten it and then you'd have to kind of beat it or tread on it which is the word where fuller comes from in Hebrew, to, to kind of uh, get it white get it pure get it clean um, and so both of these things refining fire and fuller soap these are things that kind of hurt uh it's mm. kind of a, this hard work of god but as you say not indiscriminate not random for a purpose and there's a connection here in a lot of these readings uh we can say um the term that we might like to use is the left hand of god um the things in your life that seem painful that seem almost like god is against you um, or maybe you are against you but somehow in these areas of pain and suffering, there seems to be something in there where it brings you uh, to the end of yourself into a place of openness, receptivity, and yielding to God. Mm, that's very good. Um, yeah, well, you could use that in your sermon, Jay. I think I might. This is very powerful. Now, as we make our way through, um, what, anything you want to say about Philippians in this opening chapter here? Yeah, so again, you have this idea of people in hard times, but God working through it, uh, again, which always connects with people as they run up to Christmas, because everybody's going through a hard time. You know, it's like that mm. uh, scene in the kitchen in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, mm. where um, mm. uh, Mrs. Griswold is talking to her daughter, and who's complaining about having to share a bedroom with her brother. And she says, what can I say, honey? It's Christmas, and we're all miserable. Uh, and by the way, that will preach. If you need to connect with your congregation on Sunday morning, use that as your opener. We're all miserable. So Malachi is talking about people being refined by fire or beaten and washed and full of soap. Mm. Then you have in Philippians, you have Paul who says this amazing thing in verse 7. God's grace with me in my imprisonment. So he's in prison 
and yet he's experiencing God's grace. Um, and so uh, he's talking about, again, this theme of Christ is coming. And so kind of uh, be ready. Uh, the day of Christ, Paul says in, in verse 10, which again means the, the second company of the Lord. So, mm. so be ready. He says pure and blameless. You know, be pure and blameless when the day of blameless, when, when Christ comes. And of course, um, none of us will. I just heard a story of a man who's in his 90s and he goes to a church that preaches a pretty hardcore, you know, try harder to get better or Jesus won't love you. And he's in his 90s and he's still saying, man, I wish I could just be holy. Yeah. Um, and so many people will hear this, be pure and blameless because Jesus is coming and they'll feel anxious, um, uh, you know, like the, the principal's office. And uh, But what Paul says, he can't miss this um, in uh, verse 6, where Paul says, I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion. That's right. By the day of Jesus Christ. So God is doing the work. That's right. And, you know, and, and that really is ultimately what the season of Advent is about on one level. It's, it's, it's described as a mini Lent in order, you know, give up already. And, uh, you know, it's there when you're at the bottom of your rope, um, when you have nothing to rest or present before God except for Christ and his righteousness, which is completely given to you. Um, that is where uh, you are found to be pure and blameless, because no one will be justified, as Saint Paul says, um, uh, you know, by by the law. And so, um, and so, it's there at the bottom when we have nothing else to cling to but Christ and His righteousness that um, we can find ourselves pure and blameless. And that's actually where a harvest of righteousness uh, that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God comes from. It doesn't come from trying harder. It comes by faith in Christ and what he's given you. That's right. We as preachers always have, and we'll, we'll talk about this a lot. It'll be something I think is a theme. Um, you know, as human beings, we always want to make these passages about us. Mm. What do I need to do? As preachers, we always want to make it about what we need to tell our people to do. They want to hear. They Give me the advice. Give me the formula. Um, and I think what is so key to remember in these passages that it is about what God has done and what he's doing. And so um, I, we talk in about law and gospel. And so we want to make sure that in Advent, um, we, we, we recognize the fact that there's a really big opportunity here to talk about the law of God, because these passages do talk about judgment, yeah. but not leaving our people in fear um, or anxiety, but saying that all these things point us to Christ. God is the one that's that's doing the work. Yeah, and this is, and it was, you know, you see, especially in the message of John the Baptist, um, when you see how severe the law is, and you have to see how severe the law is, then you can begin to realize that you need to find righteousness in another and righteousness from another given to you. And that's where the gospel is. The gospel isn't something you do. The gospel is something that you hear and you receive and you rest in. And you see, when, when, when Christ goes into your heart and when Christ is in your mind, then uh, the law works itself out, as St. Paul says, in your members. But it, it, it can't do that when the law is in your mind, because that should just leave you in terror. But when right. you've come to the end of the rope, that's where you hear God is merciful and God is friend of sinners. And, um, and that's what you want to point people to in the season of Advent. That's what you want to point people to every Sunday, for crying out loud. But since we're in Advent, we're just, that's what you point them to in Advent. And, so, and, yeah. uh, and, and the good news of the gospel is, is that this is actually real. 
Um, this is real good news in real time, real history, and a real place. And this is what um, really uh, I think Luke chapter 3 really begins to hit on and as it opens up. You know, it's not in a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, but in the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, he really existed when Pontius Pilate, real person, was governor of Judea in a real place, and Herod was ruler of Galilee. I've been to those places, and, uh, you know, and it's, 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 this is your forgiveness and, the, and the, the harvest of righteousness in your life, which comes from the forgiveness of sins, is a real thing. Yeah, and uh, I think the Sea of Galilee is so real, there is a party cruise that leaves nightly from Tiberias. Let's just get that out there. <laughs> That's right. These are and there are places. lots of jet skis in there, and you can hear the uh, bass drum go. I mean, it, it is, and there's well, a real party happening there right now with men in Speedos. Well, what's awesome so, is the, uh, I was on a, on a boat on the Sea of Galilee talking about Jesus walking on water, and there was a guy that had one of those, uh, not a jet ski, but it's like a jet pack. <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, maybe that's what the Lord was up to. Anyways, uh, yeah. So this and and Luke here, he like doubles down on the historicity of this. He could have just yeah. said Tiberius, and that would have been enough. But he also mentions Pontius Pilate. He also mentions uh, Herod. And by the way, that's not Herod the Great who uh, bought the farm no. way back when Jesus was a baby or an that's infant. Right. But uh, this is Herod Antipas, his son, and uh, his other son mm-hmm. Philip. All these all these people, descendants or people appointed by. By uh, by Herod the Great, uh, and then Annas and Caiaphas. So yeah, just so much stuff in the historicity yeah. of this. Um, is right. That's yeah. one of the that's one of the powerful things about the Bible is that it like almost with its historicity invites scrutiny. It's like check us out, you know. Yeah. Um, it's not uh, hang your brain at the door. It's it's like really check us out. This this is real and this is concrete and and that's real good news, you know, because. You know, I mean, to like come to grips with your sinfulness and your failure and your need to rest in the righteousness of another, uh, that's not necessarily helpful. It's important because it's true and it really happened. And that really helps make the medicine go down. Yeah, and I think, you know, this is a bit of a preacher trick. And if you've done it, don't do it again. But if you haven't, you can try it out <laughs> in your congregation. But I always like to take passages like this that sounds so religious because it is weird names like Pontius Pilate and Tiberius. And you could almost hear an English Shakespearean actor playing these parts and wearing a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a cheap toga in a 1950s movie. And so I like to, I, I might begin, you know, in the second um, year of the presidency of Donald Trump, when Greg Abbott was the governor of Texas and uh, uh, Kyle Deaver was the mayor of Waco uh, during, um, you know, and, and Zimmerman was the rector of St. Albans and Smith was the mm-hmm. pastor of First Baptist Waco. Uh, Steve, the son of Joe, uh, started preaching out in Crawford, Texas. Like mm-hmm. this is the this right. is what the flavor of the passage is because you get this guy John out in the wilderness. I mean, outside in the countryside and out on a ranch somewhere. Yeah, this is real powerful. Is that it's not coming to us? Um, it's not coming to us out of Dallas, Texas. Uh, this message isn't coming to us out of Houston. It's not coming to us out of uh, right out of New York City. Now what? No, but it's not coming to us from there either. It is coming from, um, you know, Catskill, New York. This is like out in the wilderness. Um, West Virginia. This is, yeah, this is, uh, this is um, you know, um, coming out of Karachi. No offense so, to any but, uh, West Virginians out there. <laughs> uh, but that, I mean, that is the very powerful thing. And it's coming in the, and there is a specific message. It's not anything vague, but it is proclaiming a baptism of repentance 
which is very important because a lot of people confuse this with Christian baptism. This is a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the Mm -hmm. book of the word of the prophet Isaiah. And so it harkens out to confirm that this isn't a new religion. This is simply the fulfillment of the old, old story. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And uh, he does something very specific. And what is that, Aaron? Uh, is the answer Jesus? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Always Jesus. He makes straight the way he makes uh, he makes uh, his path straight. Yeah, and every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh, not just part of it, but all flesh, shall see the salvation of God. And like, I mean, this really relates to to life in a in a profound way, you know. Uh, the, um, you know, we come with so much kind of Christmas expectation and all of this, and to know that, um, you know, the places where we are trusting for our righteousness apart from Christ are going to be made low. Yeah. And uh, and the places where we are completely falling apart and we're missing the boat, well, that's where God's going to make it straight. Yeah. And those areas that we don't want to let, that's where he's going to make it smooth and, and file it out. And uh, this is kind of the interesting, this is the interesting work of God, the alien work of God. It always works in a place you don't want to look, and it's doing things that you um, would hope not. But uh, indeed, in all of that comes a harvest of righteousness. Yeah, so I want to talk about the worst Advent sermon I ever heard, which mm. was... Not at your shake, don't worry. It was uh, a place where somebody said, uh, but you know, you know it, I'm not going to name it, but it was a place where um, the preacher using, I think, this text or another one very similar to it, because there's a lot of stuff in Advent about preparing. Yeah. Uh, they use the text to say, basically, prepare for Jesus' birth at Christmas, uh, increase your spiritual disciplines, work harder. And this person gave a list of things we were supposed to do, maybe that we could we could prepare the way of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And what's so interesting, and again, people love to do this. They're like, prepare the way of the Lord. Okay, I'll do it. They take it and run, and they don't read the rest of the passage. <laughs> yeah. It's um, The idea here is uh, that um, God is making a direct way to come to you. Mm-hmm. He is the one that's, that's filling up the valleys and is making the rough places smooth and is straightening the path so that God can come directly to you. There's this whole thing where we feel like God, we have to, it's Jesus is knocking, but he's not going to barge down the door. You know, there's no handle on the outside, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, Ignoring the fact that in St. Paul's life, Jesus shows up uh, when Paul was not looking for the Lord. Uh, Peter was not looking for the Lord and he was fishing and Jesus said, follow me. Levi was collecting taxes in his booth and Jesus shows up and says, follow me. The Samaritan woman was not looking for God when Jesus found her. So all these situations... Um, God seems to find you when you're far away. He comes straight to you. So the idea in Advent, again, God comes to us. There's this direct thing um, where he is interested in us. He is pursuing us and he's coming to to rescue us. Um, If there's any getting ready that I think is important to do, um, and this is what I think these readings invite us to do, the getting ready is to, and this is where the preaching of the law comes in in the right way, the getting ready is to realize how needy we are. Mm. The getting ready is to realize how pure and blameless we ain't. That's right. Uh, how how rough we are. How how hard our hearts are. How we're all anxious and stressed and um, not thinking about the reason for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and that's why someone needs to come for us. And this is why John says it's time to repent. Yeah. For forgiveness of sins because you're a bunch of sinners. Like yeah. that's the message. Yeah. And uh, and that in that um, we have one who has come. 
and uh, and like a refiner's fire. And um, uh, soap has come and has met us right where we're at and says to us, your sins are forgiven. And um, and says, I will make you righteous and uh, take my yoke upon me upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, one one little thing here, I will I will say this. Uh, um, this is kind of a, a preachery point. When you say John, son of Zechariah, preachers out there, just know that 98 percent of your congregation will have no mm-hmm. idea who that is. And even if you were to say John the Baptist, they would think maybe you're talking about the pastor of First Baptist mm. or something like that. Right, go that might happen. Um, and so, just make sure you know that you may do a little homework here. That this is a guy who was Jesus's cousin. He was kind of a religious figure that lived in the wilderness and was a preacher and dressed a little funky and probably smelled a little bad. Um, you can talk about camels and and wild honey, especially if you have kids in the congregation. That's always kind of a fun thing to get their attention that this guy was eating bugs and honey, and, uh, looked a little bigfootish. Mm. Um, but yeah, that this is John the Baptist, who's not Saint John. He's not Jesus' disciple. This is a different guy, um, and this is all prelude to to the ministry of Jesus, which again is get get ready and get get low. Know know who you are and uh, who you're not. Um, that's the real kind of mm. task of Advent as we get ready for the one who comes, not to save ourselves, but to be open mm. to our Savior. That's what I think. Well, that, and that's that's uh, that, that's good news, and that's good news for your congregation. So um, that being said, we'll see you all uh, next week as we tackle on Advent 3, and we continue looking at this character, John the Baptist, and to make our way as we prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord. So we'll see you again next week. Thanks. Bye, Jake. Bye. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you like what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.